She was like, how have the service has been? I was like, you know, honestly, it's a, it's a really good church. I mean, there's a couple people, but uh, <laughs> by and large, it's a really good church. And, uh, and I, I, was, I think I told you guys this already. I was on my way here, uh, and I was just praying, and I, I, I heard very clearly that it just spoke to me. And I can always, I get a thought is what I get, is I get a strong thought that comes in my head. Yeah, and, and I, I think the older generation understands hearing. I, when I first started talking about hearing the Lord speak, I was scared that maybe the older generation, you know, would label me some, some form of, you know, uh, charismatic or Pentecostal or whatever, which I would respond with, thank you. But, um, you know, in terms of being blessed by the Spirit. But um, I found it's the younger generation that have trouble. It's the older generation knows very well what it's like to be in a position because they've walked with the Lord long enough where they're in a position where a scripture will come un, unbidden. It'll come into your mind that you didn't go looking for. And we find that all over the New Testament, all over the New Testament. One of my favorite parts is in John chapter 2 where all 12 disciples at the same time hear, uh, zeal for your house will consume me. And I remember thinking, you know, that's a, there's nowhere else in all the New Testament nor Old Testament where that was known to be a Messianic prophecy. And yet all 12 disciples at the exact same time in the exact same moment think of that same verse. Come on, that's preacher talk. That's the fish is this big kind of thing. But it's right there in the text. And it's interesting that it says, um, then his disciples remembered. And the word remembered there is a verb in the passive voice, which means you could translate it, they were caused to remember. That they heard from the Holy Spirit. Amen. You, were, you and I were, that, that was back in the old covenant time period, you could hear the prodding of the Lord. So um, my point is, is that, you know, I told Corinda, I was like, I was driving down the road and, and I, I heard Back to that. I heard from the Spirit. And it's, for me, when a thought comes into my mind that's unbidden, it's oftentimes accompanied by His presence. That's how I know it's Him. It's not accompanied by fear. It's not accompanied by legalistic accusation, you know, that kind of thing. It was, it was accompanied by His presence. And it was, in this season we're in, it's not the size of the church. It's the depth of the people. Amen. I mean, I heard that like word for word. And um, because I, I go to these churches that ran whatever, and now they're down like, you know, a third. And it's been difficult because I, I go to churches around 2,500. I mean, there's a church in Ohio I go to every other year around 2,500. They ain't running 2,500 anymore, you know? It just seems like the big production stuff has been, there's been like a blanket thrown on it for a season. So um, I just love that. And I, and I was thinking about it tonight on the way here. I, I hope that you're being shaped by truth. I do. And so uh, with that, let's get in tonight. And I think you're going to like it. Of course, uh, it's about loins and what pastor's been telling me all day. He's so excited about it. You know, I said, I just, I've wanted people come to my church and talk about loins for a very long time. And I said, well, I'm your man. If I'm your man. And um, of course, we're going to be looking out of um, Ephesians chapter 6. So if you want to turn there, I'm going to give you a little bit of an introduction. <clears throat> I also... Uh, want to encourage you. Uh, one of the ladies uh, told me she went uh, and to my podcast today. She's like, I, I started listening to one of your sermons on your podcast. So she's, a, she's an official podcast girl. Praise the Lord. And uh, if you got a phone, okay, and again, grab any one of the teenagers uh, or grab pastor or someone. They can help you get an app on your phone. You can get the Podbean app. You click on it, opens it up, and I'm right there. 
and you hit play, pause, you don't have to have internet, whatever, you can down them on, download them on your phone, all that stuff's free. And they're not just sermons. What I, I get into, we'll take, like I recorded a couple this week that I'll put on there, and they're hour-long studies, but then um, I do afterwards, for like, you know, a, maybe every other day for three or four days, I'll do 10 minutes of detailed explanation over that study. So you get to hear it over and over and over. Because I hear people say, man, this is great truth, but I've, it's like drinking through a fire hose. I've never really considered all this. So you can go back and listen to it again and we break it down. And that's why I'm just, I'd love to just disciple you over some of this stuff. And then we're also, I'm going to do, my son was like, why do you always have to, you know, why does it have to be just preaching? I was like, because it's called a sermon podcast. <laughs> but I'm thinking about throwing in random passages and other things that we study. For instance, I did a study years ago. Uh, I kept hearing people say, well, you know, I'd say something you, you're not supposed to judge. Well, that's clearly inaccurate. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says, I have written you in my letter. Don't associate with sexually immoral people. I'm not meaning the people of this world who are immoral, greedy, swindlers, idolaters. In that case, you'd never leave your house. Okay. I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother or sister, but who is sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or a slanderer or a drunkard or a swindler. Don't even eat with such people. What business, listen to this, first of all, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside the church? God will judge those outside, expel the wicked man from among you. You're supposed to judge. There's a difference, and I, and I go, and so I'm going to do this study on this. There's three different Greek words, krina, krima, and krisis in the New Testament. And, and, and you, it's a difference to condemn somebody. To condemn somebody is to look at somebody and say, you're not worthy of being saved. Christians don't do that. Jesus did not come to condemn the world. But we judge. You make judgments on right or wrong. In fact, one of the reasons I like your church so much is you guys are just so judgmental. <laughs> I just, you came in just for that joke. You, just, you made it just in time. In fact, I was talking, we went out to eat the other night and I was talking about one of their, we were chatting and she was, they were telling me about one of their sons. And, uh, and they were telling me that a couple Saturday nights ago that their, their son was, came to them on a Saturday night, it's like 1130. And he's like, dad, I'm going to go out with some friends and it's going to be great. And they heard some, what sounded like motorcycles pulling up to their front of their house. I'm making all this up on the spot. And so they heard all these, these motorcycles pulling up to their house. And she looks out the window, and it's all these bikers in their middle 30s and 40s with girls on the back and, I mean, all this stuff. And you're like, I'll be home by 2 or 3 in the morning. And she's like, I don't think so. Get in here. And I remember thinking, she's so judgmental. <laughs> she's a mother. <laughs> yeah. Because mothers are judgmental, as they should be. You make judgment calls on who watches your kids. Mm -hmm. Well, I you're... haven't heard this story yet, and I just lived <laughs> okay. okay, 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 I, I made up the story. Yeah, okay, I made up the story. But it's an illustrative point, because I hear people say, well, you're not supposed to judge. You judge all the time. <laughs> Judging is not condemning. Judging is looking at a person and saying, you are clearly talking, dressing, acting, leading in a way that is not appropriate. Come on. And I love you. All throughout the New Testament, it says, go and talk to your brother. If they don't listen to you, grab somebody else, go talk to them. If they won't listen to you, grab a third person. 
If they don't listen, grab a fourth person. That way you can grab each limb and go to the front church and chuck them out the front door and say, don't come back. Okay? Sooner, I mean, listen, we, we tend to skip passages in the New Testament that we don't tend to like. Amen. Okay, not your church, of course. I'm talking about all those other churches in the world. So if you follow me on my podcast, these are the things I'm going to go after. I want to talk about these issues. I want to talk about sin. I want to talk about homosexuality. I want to talk about same-sex marriage. I want to talk about gender, all the gender stuff. I've studied all this stuff. I, all I do is sit in a motel room all day and study. I don't have a job. <laughs> so if you would like to follow us, I'd love, seriously, I'd love for you to follow me. And we do, some of them are 45, 50 minutes. Some of them are 10 minutes. You know, the 10 minutes of truth thing. We just do different kinds of studies. So I hope you'll like it. Anyway, that's a little preview. That took about eight minutes. But I want you to have it. Okay, we've been looking at uh, Ephesians, and uh, we're going to get down tonight into verse 14, which is so incredible because it is, it is the first piece of our armor. I mean, I, I think I could propose to you that Paul has written six chapters to get to this point. Okay, Now, in other words, if he came to you and said, we're going to give you spiritual armor so that you can survive, you would want to know what it is. You know, the crazy thing is I've been walking with Jesus for 26 years. I've never studied it. Something's wrong with me. So I want to do a detailed study on it. So we're going to do this for about 45 minutes or so. And then I'm going to break it down into three or four sections on our 10 minutes of truth. And just go after it. And so this first one, it's translated down in verse 14. Uh, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. So the first piece of your armor is the belt of truth. Now let me give you some context. Uh, again, um, we're writing, uh, and, and, and this is really because we're talking about the belt of truth. That is not physical. And you say, how do you know that? Because everything in the passage is about spiritual. He says in verse 12, you don't wrestle against flesh and blood, which is bonkers to me. Paul is writing this letter from a Roman prison who in a couple of few years, they're going to they're let him out, and then he's going to get captured again, brought back and killed by the Romans in a Roman prison. He's going to be murdered. I mean, they're literally persecuting. I mean, it's just horrific. They had come into Jerusalem. They had conquered the people, took hooks. You can study all this. Took hooks, put it in their mouth, came out the bottom of their jaw, put them in a row, and led them mile after mile after mile after mile after mile after mile and sold them in slavery. And Paul says, listen, that's not our problem. <laughs> that's not our issue. Yeah. So that's like going down to the hills of Tennessee and saying, no, no, China is our friends. Yeah, they're going to love you. Yeah. No, Russia, they're our best friends. Okay. Well, literally, there's a biblical standpoint that your real adversary is not physical. Now, you have physical things you have to deal with. We're not denying the physical. Okay. But the first, the first default should not be to physical. It should be to spiritual. It's the absolute first default. Pray. Your adversary is the enemy. Unseen realm kind of stuff. That's the context of this book, that you have an adversary that's coming after you. So we looked at that on Sunday morning. I wanted to kind of give you a, a basis. And actually, I think we're going to do about five weeks of 10 minutes of truth on that. And I end up doing about two or three days apart where we just go in and go into a little bit more detail. So that'll be on the podcast as well. I keep sweetening that deal. I keep sweetening that deal. Okay. And it's free. It's free. So I'd love for you to be along and just study with me. I feel like I'm all by myself studying. It's lonely. But uh, it was a figure of speech. But um, 
So when you're looking at our adversary, of course, he identifies him uh, in, at the end of verse 11. It's the devil's schemes. Okay? The devil is a, is a spiritual being. And then he goes into verse 12 and says, hey, we don't wrestle against special. Your fight is not flesh and blood. It's against that devil and against the rulers and the principalities and powers and all of that that's underneath him. And so, I, again, as I told you on Sunday, I got really curious on that. The New Testament obviously not only had that perspective because Paul's writing, but there's all kinds of that spiritual atmosphere stuff taking place. You go back in the Old Testament, it was also there. The difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is in the Old Testament, that was a mysterious world that very few knew about, and none, even those who knew about it, didn't get to participate. They didn't get to, there's a whole other world they weren't even privy to. I mean, Joshua is confronted by the commander of the Lord's army. And he's like, whose side you on? The commander's like, neither. Got my whole deal going on. Listen, take off your shoes. Got to talk to you about something. That was the extent of it. If I was Joshua, I'd be like, well, can you let me know? I mean, it's kind of like the, it's like soap opera. It's like the days of our lives and the angel stuff. Could you let me know what's going on? It'd be great. You know, they weren't privy to it. In the new covenant hour, you're not only supposed to know what's going on, you participate. You've been equipped there. And it's crazy. You're not equipped physically. You're equipped spiritually. That's what's crazy. I thought when I got saved, I'd get smarter. Nope. I just, I lean on a wisdom that's beyond me. I live off revelation. People come to me all the time and say, man, you're so intelligent. And I had a guy came a few weeks ago and he was like, where'd you get your doctorate? I don't have a doctorate. I mean, I did. I bought one off the internet for 50 bucks, but you know, I really, I'm a doctor. Okay. I got it. Got it. But I mean, that's what it's worth the paper that it's read on. In fact, I paid way too much for it, but I didn't, I didn't come on, man. I got a lowly bachelor of arts. I barely made it out of college. I, my sister's the brainiac. Okay. I followed, I've been mentored by amazing individuals. I'm normal, dude. I'm a normal guy. Just loves Jesus. Well, say, how do you have this insight? Amen. I spent time with him, dude. Tonight, nine hours on the road. My wife's like, is it going to be hard? It's going to be wonderful. There's nobody. I'm all by myself. I'm my best company. I'm going to listen to audiobooks, get some Subway. I mean, it's going to be awesome, man. Drink Red Bulls, like 20 of them. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Try not to hit the deer, you know? To be by myself for nine hours, probably call Rob three o'clock in the morning. What's up, Rob? Because he always answers. That's what I do. I talk on the phone. I just, me and Jesus, listen to audiobooks, watch podcasts, those kinds of things. Spend time with him. So I'm not equipped. See, you're never equipped physically. And I mean, maybe sometimes, but the teaching in the New Testament is not a physical deal. It's a spiritual deal. You're equipped spiritually. So that's the context of everything we're talking about. Your adversary is spiritual. And he's coming after you. One little last piece of this is we saw in Exodus 28. We're going to go through this on the podcast. We're going to have one on Exodus 28, one on Isaiah 14, one on Genesis chapter 1. We're going to go through Luke chapter 4 because all of that's a piece of this study. But it's basically this idea in Ezekiel 28. The enemy, our enemy, Lucifer, was created as a cherub. He's not just a normal angel guy. He was over legions and he was created and put in the garden. Because I always wondered, how did he get there? I mean, didn't Adam and Eve walk around and go, hey, are you supposed to be in here? <laughs> why, are you, why are you disguised as like a, a snake? That's weird, you know? Why was he there, okay? Well, he was created to be there. And why did he attack us? What's the big deal? He wanted to be worshiped. He wanted to be like the most high. He, why would he go after us? Well, we were created in his likeness, Genesis 1, 26. So Satan wants what you carry. You're like, 
humanity, we're sons and daughters of God. Like you are royalty. I'm telling you, if you only knew who you were, you would never fear again. Well, the enemy comes at me. He's the butler. You own the house. And he's fired. You're royalty. Your son's in. You can walk boldly into the throne room anytime you want. I know. Did you hear that? I hope they got that on day. Wow. Yes. Wow. That's who we are. He's saying, listen, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Aren't, aren't angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? And then chapter 2, he answers that. Yes. Angels were not created. There's no redemptive plan for the devil or his angels. There are for us. We're in his image and, and likeness. It's phenomenal. It's who you are. Which is why the adversary, he wants what you carry. And I don't know if you understand what I mean. He wants... He wants the authority that you have. He wants the dominion. He wants that. That's what he wants. Why he came after you. So, that's the context of the New Testament. Okay. Now let's get into our loins passage. Praise the Lord. So again, verse 14 is what we're going to look at. And, and uh, I'm just going to skip just for time. Uh, verses uh, 10 through 13. We've been looking at that. Again, verse 10, there's three commands. Well, just really quickly. There's three commands. All this is on the podcast, all my, on my website, free. So verses 10 through, uh, 10 through 13, there's three commands okay, that are given. The first one in verse 10 is, listen, be strong in the Lord. So that preposition in the Lord, prepositional phrase in the Lord tells you where to be strong. Don't be strong in the flesh. You don't have to raise your voice. You don't have to go pump iron. When you're people are preparing for the end of the times, what are they doing? They're stocking food, stocking weapons. That smells, that smells like flesh to me. Yes, be able to hunt and that kind of stuff. But this ain't no walking dead. People seem way too much television. Yeah, be strong in the Lord. Well, they, dude, like, we believe the trouble's coming. Start praying more. Start fasting more. Start reserving part of your time, part of your day with him. That's what I would do. That's what he's saying. Be strong in the Lord. And in verse 11 and verse 13, you have the same phrase, put on. The first put on means to, like, literally, it's like a garment. Clothe yourself in. Go listen to the study. And then in verse 13, put on, it literally means, it, it literally means to take up and wield. But remember, verse 11 is the defensive. Verse 13 is the offensive. Okay? And so in verse 11, in the defensive, we put on like a covering. That's that word. It literally, it's like sinking into a chair and putting on a garment. So at the beginning of the fight, when we begin to fight, what do we do? We sit down and we cover up. Because it's not a match. Because he's equipped us to stand. And that was the defensive stance. All the devil's schemes are going on. Come on, we see right through it. No energy required. In verse 13, this command to put on is to pick up and to wield. And that's consistent with the stand against. Why? Because the day of evil comes when the enemy targets you and he comes after you and you're prepared. So we get studies on all of that. Woo! Doesn't that sound fun? Okay. Now you come into verse 14 and he says, now the, we get into the actual armor. This is what you're actually equipped with. And he says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Now, this belt of truth deal. <laughs> okay. I don't like the word belt because it's the, it's the, it's the uh, junior high appropriate language. And I get it. But I do, I think we end up dumbing down scripture. 
Here's, here's four different translations. We were talking about it before service. The NIV, if you go back to Jeremiah chapter 13, which you don't have to do that, this is the same phrase in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, same language. Take the belt you bought and are wearing around your waist and go to Parath and hide it there in the crevice of the rock. The belt that you are wearing around your waist. Okay. Now listen to how the Living Translation translates that same verse. Take the linen loincloth. Praise the Lord. Sounds like underwear to me. Take the linen loincloth you are wearing. Doesn't say anything about waist. Take the linen loincloth you are wearing and go to the Euphrates River. Hide it there in the hole in the rocks. Listen to the King James Version. Take the girdle. That's what pastor wears. Okay, it's the same, same thing, same idea. Take the girdle that thou hast got, which is upon thy loins. <laughs> you got to love the King James Version. Praise the Lord. And arise, go to Euphrates and hide it in the hole of the rock. Where are all the teens? I figured they'd have been front and center on this one. I teach this at teen camp. Isn't that awesome? So this idea of loins, you're like, what is the deal with the loins? Well, the idea of the, the belt, which we can translate loins, the lexical definition, which is a Greek dictionary, translates it like this. Loins, the lower region of the back, the lumbar region, the hips as opposed to the shoulders and thighs. Okay, so it's opposed to the shoulders and thighs. It's the hips and the organs of the reproductive system. So it is, it, is, it is all in this region. And so in those days, they didn't have Hanes, okay, or Fruit of the Loom. They would have a loin cloth, which would wrap around your waist several times. And then I guess just, I don't know, I get, go YouTube video and watch it or not. But it's this wrapping of the area, okay? And it symbols the strength. It's that area, it's interesting. That area of the body is, is used as an illustration all throughout the Old Testament. One of my, this is terribly funny, I think. My wife just thinks it's plain flat terrible, but I think it's hysterical. So when I was in college, <laughs> this is great. I shouldn't be recording this, but we're going to. When I was in college, okay, I'd gotten out of the Marine Corps. I lived a rough life, okay? I came from the other side of tracks. I'd met people that like, I mean, it was crazy the amount of sheltering I saw in the church at a Christian university. I saw these young freshmen coming and they would go home by 11 because my mom was going to call and make sure I'm back in my dorm. I was like, that's healthy, you know? <laughs> okay, it was just weird because I'd been on my own since so like 15. You know, I was a grown adult. I was like in my early 20s when I got to Olivet. And so I get to class and, you know, and it's, it was great experience. God moved. It was wonderful. would do it again. It's wonderful. But, the, you know, all these Christian classes, they would say, we want to we take your life verse. Everybody's got a life verse. And they were all the same life verses, right? And I just got tired. It's all the same thing, these pretty little psalms and all this stuff. And so one day I'm reading Ezekiel chapter 23, verse 20. And I was like, I'm putting that on my life verse card. And I'm submitting it. And so one day they get up and they open up the, uh, if you'd like to look at this for yourself, it's, this is something you're going to want to quote on a regular basis, I'm sure. But I, uh, they read this. Ezekiel 23, chapter 23, verse 20. There she lusted after her lovers, whose genitals were like those of donkeys, and whose emission was like that of horses. 
<laughs> that was the last time they ever read one of my life verses. Okay. <laughs> hysterical. Jeremiah, this is supposed to be serious. Hey, it's the word of God, man. It's what I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah. I got sent to the principal. It was not good. Okay. But I, I cracked up over that. That's hysterical. Why would you describe the enemies of Israel like that? Strength. Strength. Circumcision was placed on Abraham where it was placed for a reason. The covenant. And there's a longer explanation, which I'll talk about on our podcast at some point. But Adam was circumcised. Or excuse me, Abraham was circumcised. Sarah wasn't. And I'm talking about African, you know, mutilation circumcision. I'm talking about covenant stuff. So the, the, the loin region, the genital region, is often referred to in terms of strength, in terms of power, in terms, of, in terms of when you throw your strength into something, the passions, the seat of the passions, all of that is used in that language. So in the Ezekiel passage, it's talking about Israel who lusted after her lovers. What, what does that mean? That literally God viewed his relationship with Israel as a marriage covenant. And, and when, they go, when, when, when they would go and look for strength and protection and they would align themselves with foreign nations, God considered it prostitution. Remember the whole book of Hosea? That's this kind of imagery. So when Paul writes about a loincloth, it's a belt. And by the way, as in a, I love the way that Living Translation puts it, it's not a leather protective belt, it's a linen loincloth. Well, how in the world is that considered protective? I mean, is it like an, again, how do you talk about this? Just put, talking about, it sounds like, it's like a jock strap. Maybe, I mean, they just, you know, wanted you to be safe. I mean, it's like gym class all over in church on Wednesday night. Hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> it's a stare, but this is the spirit. This is the, I didn't write this. This is the, what, this is what he's talking about. So you're like, what is the spiritual significance of this? Well, again, let me give you just a couple ideas really quickly. Um, again, it has to do with strength, but when you get into, you don't have to turn here necessarily, but in John chapter five, verse 17 and John chapter six, verse 27, both of those times, um, we have a football coach here, not tonight. Oh, he's got football week. I love that guy, by the way. I love that guy. And, um, but he was, when you're, when you're working with, especially athletes, they, you know, you'll talk with them and how they're progressing and, oh, they're really working at it. The working has to do with drive, has to do with intensity. I mean, it has to do with give all. I mean, you ever watched a football practice? I mean, it's just, I mean, it's sweat and testosterone. That's it. And a lot of smell. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, they are just going at, they are working at it. It's more than just strategy. It is a drive thing. It's a strength thing. That's the language that Jesus uses in John, talking about our relationship with Jesus. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's not that passage. But blessed are you if, you if you're hungering. Seek ye first. What's that? That's drive. That's priority. Seriously, I, I meet people that, oh, I love Jesus with all my heart. And Really? You, you give them an hour on Sunday? What are we spending our, what are we really working after? When fear comes, what do you reach for? That's where your strength is given. That's where your strength is given. 
So what he's talking about here, and again, is, is with, the, with, the, with this belt of truth, with this loincloth. It's not physically protective. In fact, I bet if Romans were to read this letter, they'd be like, this guy's a moron. You know, that's not, gonna, that's not the purpose of the, you know, that's not, there's no protective addition, you know, to the, to the Romans' armor, okay, kind of a deal. This is a strength deal. And so when he says, oh, and one more thing. I found that this word, this was the neatest part, in... Um, in uh, secular Greek culture, when the area of the loins was mentioned, it was referred to in athletics as the core. And I might have mentioned that to you already oh, this week, but it's, it's your core. Like when you're doing any kind of like wrestling, football, uh, if you do any boxing, like in the military, like we didn't do bench press, we didn't do biceps, we didn't do that stuff, we did core. We did core stuff. We did lower back exercises, we did squats, and squats is not just legs, it's your whole body, it's your core. Which is interesting, the first spiritual protective piece of this armor has to do with the very core of who you are. That's the belt idea. This is what holds everything together. You may be able to, you may be able to curl and you be able to bench, but if you don't have a strong core, you're going to hurt yourself. It's your core that has to be strong. This holds everything else together. That's that word. Okay, so that's the idea of the belt. And then the belt is also girded. Now, the word girded, this is so neat. The word girded is where we get the word wrap around. In fact, the word girded is two Greek words put together means wrapping around. So you're literally this strength that you're going to exert. It's literally wrapped around you. In fact, this term is used, and I want, I want to read these to you, in Psalm 1832. Should have probably already entered these in, but Psalm 18, 32, this same word is used. It says, it is God who arms me with the strength and makes my way perfect. That word arms is that word wrap around. So he's literally with what you're going to, you're the strength, you're being armed with something. So you're wrapping around. This is not just a defense thing. He's arming you. Now, it's obviously we're going to talk about truth. You're going to be armed with truth. But this loincloth that wraps around you, the idea of wrapping is almost the wrong idea because, again, in the Old Testament, this, this loincloth arms you. In fact, he not only says it in, in Psalm, and by the way, there's tons of these. I just picked a couple of them because they were all together. Psalm 18.32, and then you go down to verse 18.39. He says it again. You armed me with strength for battle. And you made my adversaries bow at my feet. This is a military, like this is a, spiritually, this is a, a significant piece of military gear. Isn't that interesting? What, what you're going to throw strength in, this graphic language of this loincloth, okay? What you're going to throw strength in, it's the first piece of weaponry that you're armed with. Yes, wrapped around, but you're armed with it. That's how it's translated in the Old Testament. We good so far? And now let's get into the, uh, more of the meaty part of it. What you're armed with is truth. And this is going to take a few minutes. So this is what we got so far. Our, 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 hey, our, our fight is not physical, it's spiritual. Okay? And you are armed spiritually with both defensive and offensive armor. The first piece of this armor has to do with your loins has to do with drive. Has to do with drive. T. 
teenagers, loins, and drive. You can talk about it all day. Okay? The, the drive of your life, what you, the passion, what you give yourself. It's, it's, it's even more than strength. It's focus. It's will. It's intent. You put everything, it's everything about you. It's this, the, the thrust of your life. That's the idea. And that is literally weaponized. Because what you're going to throw all of your passion, strength, focused, everything into is this idea of truth. Now, truth is not information. Truth is a person. Now, I may have subtly, in, in, uh, in uh, talking about this evening, I may have, have uh, already mentioned this, but we're go- I want to go into a whole other level of it. That truth is not facts. Truth is not information. Truth is not even past learned stuff. One of the things I, I just irritates me, I hear people say, oh, I've read the Bible. I'm like, oh, if I could only punch you and get away with it. <laughs> I don't ever have that thought. But truth is not information. It's not a memory verse. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. See, Jesus himself is the way. We talk about Jesus. Get this. Jesus is my ticket to heaven. What does that mean? Well, yeah, he shows me how to get there. You know, gives me a day. I believe believe in him. Now I get to go to heaven. No, 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 no. He's not my ticket. Like, Like he gives me the ticket and I go. He is the ticket. Like Jesus is the way. The map. It's not like he has the map. He is the map. So we talk a lot about this voice idea. I go to church. What does that have to do with anything? I I read my Bible. What does that have to do with anything? Well, he sounds... Well, you know, I mean, I don't do the... What does that have to do with anything? Yeah, Christians do those things. But at the center core defining element of all of that is the intense relationship that I have with the person. See, there's a difference between singing and worship. And you can come and sing and not worship. What's worship? Conversation with him. See, when he talked before the service and was describing what's been going on here, that's not just coming and hearing good sermons. That's, that's interaction with the person. That's, that's the only thing I want. That's all I'm interested in. Not interested in anything else. Not interested in anything else. Because if you don't have that, you don't have anything. Yeah, Jesus, when, when speaking in Luke chapter 4, or excuse me, to the enemy, yeah, Luke chapter 4, when the enemy's tempting him, you know, and he's trying to get him to eat the bread and, and, and ask for provision, Jesus says, hey, I, hey I, I live off of every word that's in the present tense, every word that's coming out of the mouth of my Father in heaven. Now, I read the scriptures, but the scriptures describe that kind of a person. That I'm to be that tight with him. I hear him speak. I'm listening. I have this mentor that I, that I call and bounce things off of. And uh, he always just says, oh, go back to Jesus. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> he says the same thing to you. Go talk to Jesus about it. That's who you should be talking about. It. And he, and there's passages. Anybody, you, James chapter 5. Anyone in trouble? Pray. Anyone happy? Sing songs of praise. It's like, what? Just him and everything? Yes. Paul says, pray without seeking. So the way, the truth, and the life is a person. John chapter 5, he even talks about resurrection. Jesus says, I'm the resurrection. Resurrection is not an event. Resurrection is a person. You're like, what does that mean? I have no idea. But it's something about him. It's on my list of things to study. 
He's the resurrection. It's not an event. It's not something that's going to happen to me. He's going to happen to me. You're like, how's that work? I, 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 you got a pastor? Ask him. you got like five of them in here. <laughs> yeah, seriously, man. Isn't that interesting? It's all about a person. It's about a person. Now, so truth, so here, and I think I, I, I did talk about this, but we're going to talk about it again. I, I, we have students at our training center, and I, I asked them a question. I said, do you think God is delusional? And they were like, why would you ask that? And obviously, we're going to say no. And so I asked one of the kids in particular, his name's Lucas, great guy, great guy. Dad's a great guy, pastor in uh, Alabama. And I said, Lucas, do you think God's delusional? He's like, no. I said, okay. I said, uh, have you ever sinned? And he's like, well, of course. I said, God doesn't think so. I said, who's right? He said, what do you mean God doesn't think so? I said, Paul's teaching in Romans chapter five and six on justification literally means you to be justified is you stand before God as if you have never sinned and are perfect. That's pretty close, Pastor. Yeah, you're you're sinless. Because of the work of Jesus Christ, you're forgiven. It's like you've never sinned. The sea of forgetfulness stuff. Have you ever sinned? Well, how do you answer that? You say, yeah, okay, well, yeah, I've sinned. I'm forgiven. But see, God looks at you. He, he looks at you and sees Jesus. Jesus gives you his identity and his past, and he takes yours. And, and maybe we need to take a, a class on justification. My students sure did. That's the radicalness of the gospel. You're not just someone that God goes, well, I guess. Jesus died for you. Come on in. <laughs> That's not it. When he looks at you, he sees his son. That's ridiculous. But that's not actually true, though. How do you define truth? That's it. Truth is the perspective of a person. So how he sees. Well, what if it's not factual? And that's just hysterical. So when you go through the Old Testament, and it's really prevalent in the Old Testament, I think. In New Testament as well, but in Old Testament's off the chain. In the Old Testament, they were not allowed to live their lives according to facts and just kind of like learned intelligence. In fact, you're under the impression learned intelligence is a hindrance to getting to know him. He shames the wise because he, it's his perspective. You say, what do you mean? I, I, I did this whole study on the, uh, and actually it's somewhere on somewhere. It's somewhere out there. I did the study, it's out there. But um, it's on the seven mosaic feasts and the timing of those. Israel's calendar, when they came out of, all that seven mosaic feast was, was founded right after coming out of Egypt. Well, Egypt, you guys realize, we, I mean, you can even see, it's, History Channel is pretty accurate on this. Egypt was like light years ahead on everybody in terms of science and the sun and, you know, uh, astronomy, all of that kind of stuff. Like they, the 365 point whatever day calendar, that was them. Like they're like really good, okay? The sun calendar and all of that. See, um, the Israelites operated on a 360 day moon phase calendar, which does not work. I don't know if you ever studied this before, but scholars talk about it all the time. If you live by a, by a lunar, like the Jewish calendar, okay, and you go like two or three years in a row without adjusting the calendar, that's more than two or three years, about 30, 40 years without adjusting the calendar, Christmas is in summer. <laughs> because there's more than 360 days a, week, a year. But God said, you are not. It's an incredible study. You should go listen to it. But, but uh, I'm a big fan, but I'm a big fan of all the things that I, I study. 
But it's, it's seriously, it's remarkable because God's God said, you are not allowed to do that. And Moses is like, yeah, but I think they're correct. I mean, this, and so in fact, you know what they would do? It's literally in their history, every couple years, they would add a 13th month. And it would be the same, they didn't even come up with a new name. It wasn't like, oh, number 13. It was the 12th month mentioned twice. Anybody ever heard that before? I know the pastor, they, they, it's like December, it'd be December. Like you get out of December, you go right back into December. You're like, that's the most stupid thing I've ever heard in my life. That's how they did it. You'd say, why? Because literally Israel revolved around God. Israel didn't revolve around what God gave them. That took a lot of energy. Did that make sense? I, 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 I that was expecting a lot more from that. that. I mean, that's true. It's crazy. Isn't that interesting? You, you should go study it. That it was like Israel walked with this weird limp, this weird gait. It's like, you know, why are you living like this? Well, that's God. You know, he's weird. We know. Trust me. We know. I mean, it's 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 bizarre. Some of the things, and it was this one kind of principle. Truth comes from a person. And you can't even say, well, there's, and remember I told you about the principles. There are Christian principles, but the Christian principles point back to hearing him, hearing him as a principle. It's not the information you get from him. And the illustration that I love is, man, Jesus tells the disciples to get out of a boat. And, you know, and, and hey, or he tells Peter, Peter gets out of the boat and walks on the water. Well, that wasn't, he didn't go back there every year and go, hey, kids, watch this. Because it wouldn't work. By the way, God never revealed himself the same way twice in the Old Testament. There wasn't like 15 or 20 burning bushes. Jesus spits in mud, puts it on the guy's eyes, speaks over here. I mean, dude, he just, there's no principle. There's no principle. What's the principle? It's the voice. And let me give you this passage. I don't know if I read this to you yesterday or not, but it's my favorite passage. In John chapter 12, and it's the last few verses. Listen to how good this is. Jesus is in an argument with the leaders of Israel, and they're trying to pin him down. And this is what he says. He says, when a man believes in me, he doesn't just believe in me, he believes in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. I've come to tell the world I'm a light, and the one who believes in me doesn't have to stay in darkness. As for the person who hears my words but doesn't keep them, I don't judge him. I didn't come to judge the world but to save it. There's a judge for the one who hears my words, who rejects my words and does not accept them. That very word which I spoke will condemn him to the last day. Here it is. Listen to this. For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me not only what to say, but how to say it. And I know that his commands lead to eternal life. So whatever I say is just exactly what the Father has told me to say. So Jesus was so connected with the Father that he just didn't say what the Father told him to say, but he said it in the way, in the manner, in the tone in which the Father told him. To say, That's ridiculous. I just struggle with not saying what, I'm, what I really want to say. I'm a little bit behind Jesus is what I'm trying to say. But Jesus operated out of truth every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. Isn't that phenomenal? That's the idea. So when he's talking about truth, what you are armed with, what is your core, what, what, what you are protected, what you're surrounding yourself with, your first main line of defense is truth. Now, I wanted to give you a couple applications and, and just some, maybe some handles with this, okay? How, how is being armed with truth, how does being armed with truth work? I, I don't get that. Well, for example, uh, 
look like for, for me, uh, the enemy comes to me with my past, things that I did, things that I've said, um, kind of person that I was. And he wants to come and he wants to, he, he, he dangles it in front of me. You know, um, I woke up this morning thinking about a conversation I had with a youth pastor about six years ago, seven years ago. And I woke up stressing over it. And I have to immediately come back and say, hold on, where did that come from? It's not from the Holy Spirit. Okay, it's not from the Holy Spirit. And I don't think about that. So I just, did, I just kind of determined that that's an attack of the enemy because it had a fear smell to it. Any, here's a number one, number one kind of priority. Anytime you hear, anytime you smell fear and attack, it's never of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Never. And here's interesting. People say, yeah, but you know, he used right information. The enemy is an accuser. The enemy is an accuser. The enemy wants to take what you've done and use it to exploit and condemn you. That's never the Holy Spirit. Why? Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but to save it. We're, the, this season we're in, which we call the new covenant season, is a season of no condemnation. There is a judge, and you'll meet him one day, but it's not right now. You can be forgiven. Okay? So if the enemy ever comes and throws condemnation with you, well, how do you defend about that? Truth. So I'm barely awake this morning. I'm asleep. Big old wet spot on my pillow. <laughs> just getting real with you. You should come by. And I just mumble out of my mouth. You smell nothing like Jesus. Exactly what I said. And I don't know if it infuriates or what. But I said, I believe what he says about me and not what you threaten me with. Amen. In the name of Jesus, go. Amen. And I just sink back into his presence. And I slept for another 30 minutes. It was wonderful. <laughs> yeah. You mean you just look at him and remind, he's a liar and the father of lies. We know that. So your first line of defense is just telling the truth. Yeah, that's what I do most. I look at him and say, listen, you buy, you, we both know how this is going to end. We both know the truth. You can't deceive me. So you come and say something about me. You come and speak ill about me. You come and, and lie to me. Dude, I know the truth. I know the truth. You're a liar. Go. See, you're armed with the truth. It's the core of who you are. If you don't know who you are and he comes and lies and you believe it, he's got it. Dude, I, seriously, I've, I've seen people in the church who are, who've been around the church for 50, 60 years and the way they talk about themselves, I'm like, why would you say that about yourself? It's not true. Oh, I can show you. Is that how he talks about you? Well, no. So you need to align your thoughts with the truth. Paul says, take captive every thought and make it obedient. To who? Seriously, I just want to free you. Believe the truth. Stop believing lies. Stop believing like getting your identity. So that's in terms of like just my past. That's one example. I'm going to give, give us some time here. But my thought life, the whole taking captive. Um, I will, uh, I still go through this from time to time. But it, wait, this is, actually it's very rare. But back when my wife and I were first married, I would find myself having conversations with the enemy. I know it was. I look back, I know it was. You're like, what do you mean? I'd be on my way home. And I told my wife, <laughs> she's a wonderful woman. Okay. But she's very... And so I'd tell her, how hey, will be home at 2 o'clock? If I was home at 2.01, wouldn't 2 o'clock. 
you're a liar. <laughs> Maybe not that extreme, but really close. This is back early on in our marriage. And so I would, uh, you know, I would be on my way home and I would look at the, I'd look at my, uh, my you know, clock or radio and the time and I'd see that, boy, it's going to be close. And I would say, well, I apologize. I'm late. I'd start rehearsing in my head. I apologize. I'm late. You know, there was a, there was a wild bull. <laughs> and I saved these kindergarten children. Is your time worth children? The chi- think of the children. No, I wouldn't say that, but I would, I would try to explain. And then in my mind, well, what if she says this? Well, if, if she says that, I'll just, I'll, I'll say that. Well, what if she says this? Oh, she better not say that. Because if she says that, I'll tell you what I'm going to say right now. Yeah, well, then she'll say this. Oh, it's on. If she said, then I get out of my car, I'll go in. I'm like, hey, what's up? She's like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> that, here's, here, here's the news. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's not the Holy Spirit. Come on, live in the present. Live right now. And, when, and I've gotten better over the years. I just don't do it. I really monitor. You and I are talking about it. I monitor the language that I use. I'm talking about my wife. I give her the benefit of the doubt in thinking. Always. And what's interesting is as we, we would talk about that later, I, I found, I, I tell you, I, absolute truth, the enemy was working on her before we would, I would ever get home. You mean it was like a scheme? Yes, verse 13. It was a direct attack to get us distracted before we walk into service. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. How do you combat that? Truth. That's not who she is. not who I am. I combat it with truth. I, I literally, I arm myself with truth. Saying we already talked about the physical body thing. There are times where the enemy just pokes at me physically. And I don't default to the physical. I default to the spiritual. What's the cause of this? What's the cause of this? And even if the cause is physical, can you intervene spiritually? And then if he doesn't intervene, and see, the issue for me is never whether you're healed or not. We pray for healing. Okay? What we've done, we've defaulted to the spiritual. We brought Jesus in the midst of it. Well, what if they're not healed? Well, that means he's in charge and you're going to be okay. Stay, talk, stay close to him. So that's what we're left with. And I trust him. I absolutely trust him. The loins of truth. I'm throwing all of my eggs in that basket. That's what the loins mean. All of my strength, all of my focus, all of my hope. Everything that, I mean, just all of my, my life survival, all my eggs are going in that basket, which is truth. My, it's my core. It's how I survive. It's the first line of defense. By the way, you, you know, and we, we're not, you can follow me. I haven't told you about this. I've got this podcast. <laughs> but I'm going to be going through all of these over the next like five or six weeks. And they'll be spread out over the podcast because we, we, we do the studies afterwards. But I'm going through all of these. The breastplate of righteousness. I'll give you a little hint on this one. The breastplate. No, I'm not. I'm recording it. You just got to tune in. If you don't want to know, don't tune in. But it's different than truth. Truth is an armed weapon. Truth is your weapon. It's different than every other piece of armor. It's really interesting. For more information, visit www.jeremiahbullock.com. That's www.jeremiahbullock.com.